0: My name is Danae Reed, and I want to welcome you to the part of life where mothers do not physically, emotionally, or mentally exist. Welcome to Damn Mom, Really?, which is a podcast that seeks to shed light on grief and open up a conversation about a topic that is often avoided. Again, this is a space for people who have either experienced the loss of a mother or a mother figure, and I am so excited to fellowship with you guys. The contents of these episodes is up to the discretion of both my guests and myself, and I can Trust that they are telling the truth just as much as I am, as it feels right for them. Also, noting that the subject matter can potentially be heavy or triggering, we have included a six-minute cool-down meditation by Liliana Rasmussen at the end of this episode for your pleasure. And this soundscape is brought to you by Scott Reed Jr. (music) What's up, y'all? As y'all know by now, my name is Danae, and I'm here with another episode of my podcast, Damn Mom, really? A podcast that nobody wants to be on, but everybody wants to listen to. And today, I have an amazing guest with me, coming in all the way from Florida to Mar, you know, and it's what I love so much about What I do in this platform is that I get to meet so many different people who have a shared experience with me, the commonality of losing our moms through other people who have also lost their moms. So if you guys have been following the show for a while, or even if you have not, Asia Allen came on the show with her sister, Autumn, a couple months ago. And so she told me about Tamar. We connected. I was like, look, do you want to be on the show? He was like, boom, I'm there. And so now we're here. He has a podcast as well called the Down to Business Podcast, correct? Correct. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, I'm super excited to have him here today. I love interviewing other people who are familiar with the podcast space. But I'm gonna shut up now. Tamar, how are you doing today? Tell the folks a little bit about yourself.
1: I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. You actually about to make me refine my intro. That intro is fire. Uh, I need a better intro. Than mine. <laughs> I need a better intro. Or I may just need you to do my intro. So we'll always talk about that. I'm always here. <laughs> but um, no big shout out to Asia. But yeah, to everybody tapping in, man. My name is Tamar Turner. Born in Bronx, New York, raised in Philadelphia. So big shout out to all my Philly folks, two and five. But I've been in Tampa for, September will make three years. So really moved out here. Yeah, after the pandemic, it became really hard to find a job. I had my master's. I thought I was the next best thing, going to be on TV. You couldn't tell me I wasn't going to be Stephen A., Shannon Sharp, all of the above. But the pandemic had other plans for us. I humbled myself. The job process humbled me. And eventually just got tired of working at Target. But no, I would say really even to take it back a little bit further than that, you grew up predominantly in Philadelphia, left New York when I was two. Loved everything sports, loved everything public speaking. Once I got to like the middle school, high school, uh, really just what drew me to North Carolina for where I did my undergrad was my sister actually went to Wake Forest. So I started looking really down there. Always heard North Carolina is like a secondary education place, so always just good school. Mm -hmm just good backgrounds and naturally my first two schools syracuse and james madison they had waitlisted me so big shout out to them maybe it was a blessing in disguise maybe i just needed to be at ecu in greenville north carolina but yes spent an amazing four years there spent an amazing 13 months at syracuse getting my master's and now have been out here more recently in tampa uh, going on three years so when i first got here i was working for amazon Really just got tired of that, driving, dispatching, everything of the sort. And now I work for a company called WeWork. So I think it's actually like four locations in Philly, WeWork-wise, but yeah, one down here in Tampa. Um, and we just hold it down. Love really talking to people, meeting people, everything of the sort. So thank you so much for having me. I really love this, what you're doing with this platform
0: oh thank you so much and right right i love we work i've worked at like we works before I, I i really vibe with like the communal workspace i don't know i like to talk so that works for me but wow. that's awesome well shout out to you it sounds like you're doing some amazing things and i'm super honored to be sharing this space with you today we're here to talk about our moms and i would love to learn a little bit about yours so first things first What is her name?
1: So my mom's name is Taya Nichelle Nicolette Turner-Smith. So yeah, I got to put some, actually even found out at my grandfather's funeral in January that my, that, cause I asked my grandma, I said, where did Nicolette come from? Cause I I thought it was just Taya Nichelle, you know, Turner-Smith. They actually said Nicolette was her confirmation name. So that was something I learned this year. Yeah. Had never known that. But yeah, Taya Nichelle, Nicolette, Turner, and then when she got married, it was Turner-Smith.
0: Got you. Got you. Okay. Hey, we put some respect on our girl's name. Get all the names right and in order. Love that. So, you said you learned this about your mom this year. How long has it been since your mom passed?
1: So, November of this year will make 12 years. So, my mom passed away 11/22/11. 11, 11. So, 112211. 2, yeah, so crazy date in my head.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm curious about a couple of different things, but the first thing I want to touch on is the fact that you're still learning things about your mom after she passed. I think that's so special. Do you have, uh, or have you had other moments like that where you learned things about her that you didn't know?
1: Yeah. Even I would say family has been a big thing just from showing me pictures, just to early memories, just mm-hmm. to even really talking to a lot of her coworkers who I consider my aunts at this point, who I've grown up with them. They take care of me. I know their kids. I've even helped, you know, watch after some of their kids, but yes, always, I feel like there are always stories surrounding my mom, always just experiences from people who I know from people who I don't know, but Mm -hmm. everyone just talks so highly of Miss Turner Mm -hmm. Smith. So yes, I would definitely say that there hasn't probably been a year, that I haven't learned something or found out something or saw a new picture or saw. Sometimes my brother or my family has pictures that I'm just like, yo, where'd you get that from? Or my uncle will have pictures, her brother or my aunt. Yeah, so I've met family members as a result of my mom's passing, like aunts and uncles that I probably would have never met otherwise. So it's been a journey for sure.
0: Wow, I can't even imagine. And I think, like I was saying before, I think it's so special to be able to Learn more about your mom after she's transitioned because it's like she lives on in a way. And I think at a certain point, you feel like you know enough about a person or you feel like you know everything. But to be able to add on different layers of who she is and her personality and things like that, you know, even though she's not here, I think is really awesome for you. I, last week, I saw a picture of my mom and dad that I had never seen before. And it's crazy because I showed it to my dad and he was like, I don't think I've ever seen this picture before either. I'm like, well, that's definitely you. So it is funny that, you know, moments like that happen. And it definitely for me deepens the relationship that I have with my mom. And it also kind of reinforces this idea that, you know, she really is ever present and omnipresent. My loss was only a year ago, though, and yours was 12 years ago. And I'm assuming we are around the same age. So what was it like for you being a, a young adult or a teenager kind of going through life without your mom being physically here?
1: Yeah, it was tough. I would say that. So I lost my mom. I was 15 years old. I was a sophomore in high school. So it was rough. Like it was unexpected. Uh, my mom passed away from something called right ventricular cardiomyopathy. So essentially her heart was too large. And then one day it started beating irregularly and then just failed. So why the doctors pretty much told us the death was one in a million was because she didn't show any symptoms. So they said, has she had a high blood pressure? Has she smoked? Has she had stopped smoking? Has she um like diabetes or anything like that this is something that they could have just treated they would have tested for it would have showed up and they would have took care of it accordingly another reason why they say it's a one in a million death is because it's hereditary Mm -hmm. they tested everybody like immediate family husband everybody my grandma my me, my little brother, my sister, everybody nobody had it. So they were just like, Yeah, this really just happened, you know. So to really be told that to really my last words to my mom was me leaving out to school. She had a she had just got selected to work from home. Me and my stepdad put up the nice desk for her and all of that. Like, you know, so my last words to her was a uh, have a good day. I love you. Like that was it. And then I'm getting a ride after football practice to the hospital. So being a teenager coming from football practice in that moment, not really understanding everything, it was it was tough. It was rough. It was just like the next morning, I woke up in my grandparents' house. And one of the first things that they asked me was, what do you want to do? And I was like, I need to go back to school. I need to, you know, just waking up in that house, waking up with her on my mind, waking up somewhere where I wasn't used to. It was just like a lot of time my grandparents, they lived 10 minutes away from me back in Philly, but I'm not waking up on a weekday there, you know, so that was different for me. And it was an adjustment. But I told myself I just all my life, I pretty much live where. When I'm going through things, I grind it out. I stay busy. When I'm when I'm not going through things, I grind it out. I stay busy. No matter what emotion I really have, the grind for me and just keeping busy has been a coping mechanism. And it wasn't until I got older that I really realized this is my response to a lot of things, traumatic events, just life in general. When I'm mad or when somebody ticks me off, what do I do? I grind harder. Or I go harder. Or when I get sad news, like when my grandfather passed, yes, I was devastated. Like couldn't get out of bed, but. Did that turn me up the next couple of weeks? And has it turned me up since? Absolutely. So back then, man, I, I really just wanted to go back to school. So I think after my mom's passing, I probably returned to school like two or three days later. And I, I just wanted to play football. I just wanted to get, I needed to get my mind off it. I couldn't sit in the house. I was going crazy. People were telling me, you know, just take your time. Because I went to a Catholic Catholic private school. So the brothers were telling me, you know, you, you do what you have to do. You take your time. It's no rush. Figure it out. But for me, I just needed to, I needed to get back in mode. I needed to get back in my routine i fell off and yes being in school like do i regret that decision to go back so soon no like how should i have taken more time to probably process and figure things out yes i'm a 15 year old boy with a little brother who was at the time either seven or eight so he was before he was seven so basically it was I knew that I had to and it was if this is my stepdad my dad had so to give a little bit of background my mom had me when she was 19 dropped out of college my dad yeah. left when I was two so essentially never really met my dad don't really know my dad I saw him again when I was eight and, I was gonna it, say, and
0: still you don't really know your dad
1: yeah no I saw my dad when I was eight at my, cause I used to go to my aunt's house for the summer up in New York. So that's her brother. So one, the, the, what I remember is one day I pretty much walked out into the kitchen to get something to eat. There was a man sitting at the window and all he said was good morning. So naturally I see a man sitting there. I'm thinking that's my aunt's company. Good morning. That's it. That was the only words we spoke to each other. I didn't even know what he looked Yeah. Eight years old. I did not know that was him. Yeah. So it came to find out the next day, my aunt was like, that was your dad, you know? And I'm just like, wow, like that was the only real interaction that we've had. So, and I've never really cared to talk after that. He tried to reach out to me on Facebook, but it just wasn't something I was really feeling or just wanted to do. So I've I've kind of just grown at peace with that. So moving forward, my stepdad stepped into my life at two years old, but I will be the first to tell you, yes, while I have the utmost respect for that man and while I am admired by that his decision to do that i'm admired by all just fathers in general take care of the kids stepdad take care of other kids whatever i would always say that we, we did not have the best relationship growing up a lot of times i was a mama's boy so i took my mom's side with a lot whether it be arguments disagreements things going back and forth when i was in trouble whatever like so that was rocky but i also told myself that all right it's me my little brother and my stepdad in this house three men. We got to figure it out. And then, two, I had to set a better example for my little brother. I don't need my little brother to see us beefing or going back and forth or just arguing or me not listening or anything like that. I want to be that example for my dad. But I would definitely say, as the years kind of went, we got closer for sure. Like high school ended better. College, it was up in the air. Grad school, it was okay. But now I don't really talk to my stepdad. We don't really have the best relationship. It's a very long thing. But in that really moment and dealing with everything, it was a lot for me. But I will say I had a support system unlike any other. But while I knew I had a lot of people around me, while I knew I had a lot of people who loved me, cared for me, cherished me, would would, would drop the world for me, I also knew that not everybody can relate to everything that I have going on. And I'm not that type of person to just be vulnerable. I'm not that you, you ask my parents every day when they ask me how my day was. It was fine. Oh, how was school? Fine. How was class? Fine. Like it was fine. Everything. How was practice? Fine. Like you, you, had to really dig stuff out of me just because, like, I'm a very internal person. I'd much rather deal with things on my own. I'd much rather hear y'all talk, and you give me everything, and I give you advice. And sometimes it's a pot calling the kettle black. I don't even follow my own advice. So now that I think back to you know almost well, it's been a, almost 11 years ago. 15 year old me. It was a, it was a lot, but I also felt like this was a new. Sense of responsibility, a new sense of accountability, but it also, for me, it lit a fire under me to want to better those relationships, to not take things for granted, to um, strengthen the relationship with my stepdad, to bring my little brother closer. I tell people I treat my little back then I did. I still do. I treat my little brother. That's my son. Like granted, he's taller than me now. He's a freshman in college. But that's that's that's. I call him little big bro. But that's like my son. It wouldn't be anything that I wouldn't do for him. So he was my top priority at that. Point. And just making sure that the house was taken care of, just making sure that my mom, the way my mom set things up and the foundation that she built, I just wanted to continue to do that, emulate that and carry on that legacy for sure. So, yeah, being a teenager, it was tough and especially because I couldn't really, even a lot of my immediate friend group had their parents. So it was. It was very hard to relate to them, and especially their mothers. Like, some had lost fathers and things like that. But everybody pretty much had their mothers. My mom was a team mom to a lot of people. So growing up playing football, she was the mom at all the games. She was the mom with the snacks. She was the mom to come over my house, the pantry's loaded, everything like that. So it was a lot of changes. It was a lot of transitions. It was just a lot of things that I became used to and comfortable and complacent with in a sense that once it left, it was just like, whew, wow, this yeah. is a lot. Is, wow, this is reality.
0: And I definitely, at 26, I reflect those same sentiments, and I can't imagine going through something like this at 15. Like you, I have a younger brother as well, and so I I would love to talk a little bit about kind of stepping into that role but the first thing I want to touch on is the idea of legacy and how your mom set a foundation that she instilled in you and you were able to uh, receive fully and my mom did the same for me and my brother right like she laid the foundation she laid the brickwork and it was kind of after she passed it was like I had the tools to move accordingly I don't want to say move forward. I don't want to say move on because it's not that, but to move accordingly. And at the age of 15, in my mind, and again, in regards to the bricklaying and the work my mom did, that started very early on, like from birth, from gestation, right? She, She infused those things in me and my brother. But in my head, at 15, those things that have been so relevant to me throughout my life. I feel like I wouldn't have been able to get that at 15. But you're saying that like, you understood immediately.
1: Yeah, I would say it was because if she wasn't telling me, somebody else would telling me, my mom was the type of person, she would put your name in a room before you even got there. So it's just like, and that's not even all, necessarily always a bad thing. Like, yeah, when I got in trouble, or when I did things I wasn't supposed to be doing, oh, yeah, everybody knew for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that post going around now how, you, how moms and dads just be exaggerating about stuff. Yeah, that was my mom. She definitely, she definitely would recall some situations. be like, mom, like I ain't
0: even, I ain't even give
1: it up like that. But it's cool. It's like, that's how you saying I carried it. That's how you saying I carried it. But yeah, it was as, as somebody who. I mean, I consider myself very intelligent, not to say anyone else out there isn't, but I was, it was definitely things that I just picked up on. You hear stuff so much when you just get in a routine, my parents, I would consider them very strict parents. And while back then it didn't really make sense to me while having to explain who I'm going with, where I'm going, why I'm going, right. when I'm going, you know, yeah. how we're doing here, what time, like, you know, in the moment, I'm just like, yo, this is so exhausting when people can really just tell their parents, Hey, I'm going here. So, and so, all right, have fun, be safe. And it was just like, for me in the moment, i never understood that. And it wasn't until as I really got older, I'm realizing like, wow, I see why. And especially growing up in Philly, like, man, it's, it's ridiculous there. And I see it like, so yes, I would say very early on, I, a lot of this was instilled in me and it wasn't just instilled in me by my mom. It was instilled in me by my aunts, by my uncles, by my cousins, by my stepdad. Like, you know, he reinforced things just the same. So you, you, you get that over and over again, You you kind of almost are conditioned in a certain way. And you move a certain way, you act a certain way. I always used to, even with my friends, we'd be out and about. I know there's no way, no way that my my mom will find out about this. My friends want to do certain things that we wasn't supposed to be doing. I'm just like, in the back of my head, like, man, (laughs) if, if even a slight hint of this get out, it's over for me. It's over. So, you know, I always thought about things like that, but yeah, from middle school even elementary school, like just about doing the homework, about not being able to go outside or do nothing like that until my stuff, my chores and my responsibilities were taken care of. About how we didn't do C's in my household, like how if, if you come home with a C, you better have tried every single thing in your power to, to have had. Like and I and I need to hear it from the teacher, parent, teacher conferences. The teachers are getting on me, and my mom just letting it happen. Like they, she she gave the teachers free range to do whatever. Sometimes to me, like the black, we all got them black teachers who, yeah. Don't make me hey, I got your mom personal number. So yeah. it was just like, yeah, my but I and in the moment all of that just seemed like overkill or just like, come on, like what are we doing here? But to really grow up in an environment like that and to really have those principles and things like that instilled in me at such a young age, I'm so Beyond grateful for it as an adult. And maybe I was always telling myself that, yeah, parents always say, you're going to thank me later. Or, You'll appreciate this someday or it'll make sense. And yeah, as the kid, as the adolescent, you're like, no, it won't. Like, no, you're yeah. talking crazy. Like, You're just doing this because you're in charge. But man, if I didn't get to college and, and a lot of stuff just came naturally to me or just came easier to me because one of Philly, but also because of just my mom and what she instilled in everything. So, yeah, really reflecting on that now and just to realize that, yeah, only 15 Only a sophomore in high school, but just the way I was thinking, just the way I was moving, I owe it all to her, for real.
0: And I I relate to that idea of being a teenager and wishing that your parents were more lenient. I don't think that my parents were really strict, but I definitely wouldn't say that they were super lenient either i remember having friends who could go out and come home whenever they wanted or they could have like company of like the opposite sex sleepover mm-hmm. and it was nothing and i had a curfew and i mean i thought my eleven thirty curfew was bad you know and i was 17 at the time i'm like why can i have the freedom that my friends have and like you i definitely understand the importance of it now right. but i i do want to ask you and I'll, I'll give you a second to think about this if you want to Do you think that losing your mom so young, do you think that it kind of robbed you of your childhood, or do you feel like you didn't feel that way, or don't feel that way?
1: That's a good question. Um, I would say at the age that I did, no, just because I kind of felt like I was really on the the tail end of my childhood. I really consider like a child, like your childhood is over once you're done with Mm -hmm. high school, like once you kind of go out on your own, or whatever you choose to do after that, work, college, military... Whatever. But do I look back on certain things now? Like my mom has never seen me graduate past eighth grade and think about that. Do I look at certain accomplishments or just accolades or things that even my little brother was able to do that? Had I been in his situation? Yes, I feel like I I feel robbed of a child because he was seven years old. So even in the moment, he couldn't really comprehend everything. But he, he got he's just as intelligent as I am. If not more, I ain't gonna give you more. But he, <laughs> he, he, he shout out, hey Makai, shout out, little brother. You, you very smart brother. But I got it. But um, no. But really, just thinking about everything that I was able to go through and experience, and really recall, a lot of my memories are of my childhood and with her and just from playing sports to just the school events to just taking me places taking me to work with her meeting her friends going on different reunions family reunions and everything like that I think about all of that and I really think that was like the peak and the bulk of my childhood so no if anything I really feel like it it spoiled my adulthood a little bit Mm. because now I think about things as adult my mom is not going to see my first child my mom is not going to see marriage my mom is not hasn't really, I mean, I was 15. Yeah, I was having what I call little girlfriends and things like that there, but my mom hasn't met my my girlfriend since then or anything like that. I'm single now, but any anything that came before that, anything that's going to come after that, she hasn't. So I feel like it definitely has changed my approach to adulthood or there are certain things that people are just experiencing and life changes, buying a house, moving to a new city, anything like that. The podcast that I just think that she'll never just really be able to experience or never be able to have. So I feel like I definitely lived my childhood through and through i did what i could even through she didn't even see me you know she she got me into the high school Per se, like i say got me in because like well one she was the one that kind of orchestrated me like applying because i didn't want to apply you talk to me back then 14 13 years old going to all boys school wasn't happening like nothing nothing homophobic or nothing that on that side but no i've been around public school around my friends all my life you tell me about to put me in the suburbs outside all boys And they just did that sports. That's it. But the school probably, like, I'm not doing that, but took the test, did whatever. So, but no, I feel like now moving and grooving, going to college, seeing those life things, seeing everything happen. I feel like it's definitely changed my approach to my adulthood. Just thinking about my my mid to late twenties now, just thinking about my thirties and my forties and how I moved through that and groove through that.
0: Do you think that you have come to terms with the fact that your adulthood is so much different because you don't have her physically here with you.
1: Yeah. And I would say it definitely comes with situations. So like when I was moving, just thinking about things like that, leaving the city, leaving my home and everything like that to to really come down here and do that. When I went to to get my master's even before the move, when I graduated college, now that I'm thinking about buying Mm -hmm. property, eventually want to start a family and everything. So while I say I I definitely won't say I've come to terms with it all. I definitely just think I'm taking it kind of scenario or situation or just one thing or one accolade at a time. But then I also, I'm very big on, I would say I'm very, I would say I'm spiritual. Whereas people say they're like religious, I think I'm more so spiritual. And I, I, I think about a lot of times how I can just look up to the sky and I can just smile or I can just point or I can just start talking aloud and she'd be there. So while she can't really be here in the physical, I know that everything that I'm doing, one, is a result of her, but too, she's right there with me. And she's, she's assisting me on it. Cause I wouldn't, I, while, while I'm very, you know, driven, motivated, everything of the sort, I'm still a human being. I still wake up and don't feel like it someday. And I still wake up, no motivation. I get down on myself. I'm I'm very hard on myself and perfectionist. So it's just like, think about things like that. But I also think about how she's guiding me along mm-hmm. the way. Another angel, my boy all the time, who lost his mom similarly. And his grandmom around the same time that I did that. It's angels all around us, bro. And sometimes we just really don't realize it. We really don't see it, but they're there. And I feel like it, it's something that I feel like back then I didn't really understand or I didn't really think about. It. I am more so focused so much on the physical. And because my faith was challenged back then, like I was really going through it. Like that was something that I didn't really touch on earlier. But at 15, I was angry. I was mad at the world. I was mad at God. I was questioning God. I didn't understand it. And I I did, you know, back then I used to think that death and things like that, it just only came really if you did things wrong or if you did stuff you wasn't really supposed to do to me. Hearing one in a million, man, I wanted to I wanted to I wanted to do everything to them doctors. You know, nobody wants to hear that. But as I've grown older, as I've tapped in more and just read more and just come to terms with myself and really just sat with all those emotions, I realized that, yes, the spiritual the angels, the the metaphysical, whatever you want to call it, is, is just as much important. So yeah, while I'll say I won't necessarily have come to terms with it all, I would say I'm kind of working through everything as it, as it really happens in my life.
0: Mm, and I relate so much to this idea of I'm definitely very pissed off and very angry. And it comes out a lot in the way that I handle conflict, I think, or just the way that I Internalized things, and I've definitely been viewing myself under this kind of microscope of trying to understand patience and trying to be patient with myself in those moments, but I definitely feel you I feel angry a lot before this, like you you know, I would say I'm spiritual, not religious, but I prayed all the time, like talking about God all the time, and my mom was so heavily in the church, and to me is the perfect example of what a Christian woman, a Christian person should be. And so when I lost her suddenly and tragically, and and so and even in the beginning when you're like, yeah, I, I spoke to my mom and everything was fine, and then it just wasn't. That was my situation too, or that is my situation too. And so thinking about all these things, my relationship that I had with God, the relationship my mom had with God, and all these things, it does make you angry because it's like that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, as humans, we try to make sense of things, and when things don't make sense, it's frustrating and. And you're looking for somebody to be mad at because it's like somebody did this you know we we view life as cause and effect there's a causation for every effect and vice versa and so for me I remember being in the hospital like cursing out the doctors when they told me that my mom didn't make it I was like what the fuck do you mean my mom did like you could hear me all way down the, the halls of the hospital and I had my own stuff going on at the time too I was also injured at the same time I lost my mom but I'll give you all a little bit of that context and you can put together the story because I, I don't, you know, but anyway, so I, I relate to that so heavily, this like idea of being angry and like not trusting God and not trusting People, I'm my faith is definitely like shaken completely, and I don't know if you've read Beloved or if anybody else who might be listening to this has read Beloved, but it's a really great book, especially if you're somebody who's dealing with a really heavy grief right now. And in part of the book, one of the characters, Baby Shugs, is talking to another character called Stampede, and um, essentially what she's saying is there's this whole bunch of stuff that's going on in her life, and she's a minister, and she stops ministering, and he says to her like, "Oh, this is your form of punishing God." This is your punishment towards God for what you feel he did to you. And she responds, I mean, I'm not punishing him more than he's punished me. And so this idea of being angry, I think, is so relevant in grief. And I think that it needs more space to be talked about, because if you exist in any realm out of just general, oh, I'm sad, people are looking at you like, you're crazy you're wrong or you're just doing everything the wrong way and i've been thinking about that a lot lately because i think that our anger towards god in those moments i think and in our withdrawnness as a result of grief like you know you've experienced and i've experienced is a form of punishment and i've kind of been trying to understand like what that does for me and and why that's necessary but again i'm doing all of this rational thinking at 26 I can't imagine trying to rationalize that at 15. And so I hope that at 15 you felt seen. And if not, I hope that you're feeling seen now in this moment. I I can't even imagine trying to rationalize and even understand the basis of saying, okay, my anger, my disdain, my withdrawnness, my pulling away, like that is my method of punishing whatever powers it is that be that you believe in for what they've allowed to happen
1: it was no you're absolutely right that's a that's a very relatable sentiment just because i i mean i remember getting to the hospital pulling up and seeing my dad's mom and that's really when i knew something was wrong cuz my friend basically my so my boy who I grew up with. Shout out to Raekwon. We went to we went to college, We went to high school together. Excuse me. So his dad would pick us up every day from from practice. I'm tripping. We lived on the same street. We lived on Fayette. He just lived on. Uh, I lived on the 7400. He lived on the 7900. So it, it just made sense to drop off and everything. So when I and normally he was the dude. He picked you up. The seat all the way back in the Crown Vic. He got the music blast and all of that. When I tell you like we get in the car, the music is real low. Mm. He not really saying too much. And, and Ray kind of asking him, like, yo, where we going or what's going on? And he was just like, I'll talk about it when we get there. And he didn't say nothing. And I don't know if this is me. I don't know if this is him. But once he didn't drop me off and we still going, I'm just like, yeah, this has got to be, like, something for me. But I'm still confused, like, still not knowing what's going on. But once I pull up to the hospital. You remember all of this? Oh, for sure. Like, I remember that car ride and everything. Like, because we had just got out of football practice. So I remember all of that. And once I walk in and I see, well, once we pull up to Einstein, I'll never forget mm-hmm. it. And that's why I just don't like Einstein to this day. Like, didn't really like him before, but really don't like him to this day. But, yeah, once we pull up and I see my dad's mom, like my my other grandmom out there, I just was like, yeah, something ain't right. And then I remember I talked to my – the first person who I talked to was my dad. And um, when, I, when, he, when I hugged him and he kind of told me what was going on, I remember my immediate reaction. I just pulled back from him and kind of looked at him like, what? And he told me that's something he'll never forget to this day, like almost as if I was in disbelief. I mean, I was, like – That that's nah like nah ain't no way like nah you joking, so but yeah going in there, and at that moment where I feel like responsibility really shifted for me was when I walk in there my grandma is already in there so her her mom my mom's mom, and she turns to me and and fall just almost falls in my arms like at a at fifteen years old like that was that's when I broke down like that's when I was just like wow like this is this is real like. And I, in the moment, like, I had never seen that woman break down. My grandma is through and through probably the nicest lady you'll ever meet. I tell my grandma, I mean, I tell people we're both Leos, but I'm a July Leo. She's an August Leo. We're two totally different people. I, I didn't, never, I never even heard that lady curse. So it's just like, I don't, you know, she had me in the church at the Sunday school <laughs> was the treasurer. So we was there all day, but then she hit me. Yeah. So that was really like, that was really tough for me. And that, and I'll never forget that hug to this day because it was just like, that's when I really realized, wow, like, you got to step up and granted in that moment i'm not really thinking like that but it always just kind of was in the back of my head like you got to continue this you got you got to make this go on whatever really happened because my mom i mean she was only what she was she was 34 when she passed so it was just like yeah to hear but to hear all these stories, to hear all the impact, to hear just the light that she was in people's lives at at, at 34 years old, like, it's just like, wow, like this lady was really something special. Mm-hmm. So, and, but to hear how many people tell me that I remind them of my mom and just the way that I'm, just the look and just everything like that. I just felt like, you know, I had part, I tell people all the time, like, I didn't really touch on this in the beginning of my intro, but with my podcast, it wasn't really until recent, even last year, like when I celebrated three years that I really realized why I'm doing this. And it was because like, this is what my mom did. My mom connected people. My mom spread love. My mom just wanted to talk to you just to know about you, really even hear you talk. And just listen and just give you what you need and everything like that. But to see everybody connected, to see the love being shared, to see people in different states and different cities doing everything. I know my mom just would have loved that. My mom, really, she got down to business. So whereas like in the moment, just picking a name, thinking about the the content, the platform and everything, I wasn't really thinking like that. But each year as I'm as I'm getting more of my purpose, as I'm just enjoying this, more, I'm just like, wow, like this. This is really what my mom did. This is what my mom's doing. Like I couldn't, and I haven't committed myself to anything for four years willingly that I wanted to do, you know, outside of sports, school, whatever. So the fact that I'm locked into this, the fact that I'm really just doing this, the fact that I've switched locations, switched states, switched platforms, went virtual, did live events, everything like that, it just goes to show me that this is truly her living through me, speaking through me, all of that. So yeah, man, my faith was definitely challenged. And I felt bad just because it's just like Growing up and just being in the church and everything like that, you know, you don't question God, you don't ask why, you don't mm-hmm. really think like that. So in the moment, I just felt wrong, but also I was pissed. Like you couldn't really. I was just react. I already had <laughs> the people who know me back then. I had a bad temper already, so it was just like to mix that with with the death too. Oh, I was ready to snap at anything, at anything any moment. But I really, moment. So, but having I will say my support system, having people who were just so open and accepting and understanding of everything, whether they had went through the situation or not, it really paid dividends. But like you kind of spoke on and touched on, I'm very internal. So a lot of things that I'm going through, a lot of things that I'm thinking, a lot of things that I'm dealing with, you won't necessarily know. You may know surface level, but you don't know where my mind is at. You don't know that I could be smiling, I could be on the episode and I just had a rough day today or I'm I'm just not feeling it or it's a lot going on. Because back then, something that was preached so heavily was time heals off or this two shall pass. Yeah, I, or, I hate I hate both of those. And in the moment, like I didn't really like that sounds good as a child. Like, okay, like yeah, we're gonna get through this. We're gonna make this happen. I'm gonna come out strong. I'm gonna be better. All of that. And I did. I came out. I'm I'm much stronger. I'm I'm better. I'm I'm cool. But time doesn't heal. It's it's nearly twelve years and I think about my mom every day. Heck my, my screensaver does not change like from this day. Wow. That's that's been every day since I lost her. So I don't well different phones and all of that. But <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't believe in that. Like that time, and I even had to check myself because that's stuff that I used to tell people growing up because that's what was it's told cliche. to be it just sounded it's right, cliche. it sounded good, it made sense. Very cliche, but as I really realized in my moment, wow, well, it's five years in, it's eight years in, it's ten years in. Damn, she's still in my mind like it just happened yesterday. So, and I can recall so many things that happened up in up in the actual day, just memories before that, like everything. So for me, it's just like no, it don't matter how old you are. That shit never it never gets old and never you never really I never personally really become numb to it that was my mom and being a mama's boy I think that's really why it hit me that much harder
0: yeah my brother when Again, when we found out we lost our mom, one of the first things my brother said was that I I have to take care of everything and I have to hold it down. And it reminds me of what you're saying, you know, even if you didn't necessarily say it in those words, you felt that. You felt the weight of your grandmother literally and figuratively in your arms, which I think represents the family in general. I think that moment sounds really symbolic to me that you endured with her. Sorry. It makes me like emotional to think about because I'm just like, there's so much trauma around that day. But for you to have to step up in the place of not only your mother, but also in the place of a father figure for your little brother. What was that like for you? What was that responsibility like for you?
1: I mean, I never really looked at my little brother as a responsibility. I looked at him as like, well, first and foremost, that's my that's my brother, but a friend. Like he was really like, granted, we were seven, eight years apart. Which, uh, if if it was one thing I could probably change about me and him, that would be it. Just I wish we were age close. Like I wish we could have went to school together, mm-hmm. played
0: football together. So You guys are games, really, yeah, you
1: know, that's beautiful. For sure, but seven, yeah, sometimes eight years apart. So at fifteen now or sixteen and 17, 18, just thinking about because eventually I only had two really more years with him until I left for college for four years. So. It for me, no, it never. I always took care of my little brother, even with my mom and my dad and my life. So it was just like business as usual type thing. But I now have to be just more cognizant, or I have to approach it from a different perspective because I can't think that this seven year old, this eight year old, he's just naive, he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, mommy's not in the house anymore, mommy's stuff is but surely starting to disappear. A lot of people coming in and out, a lot of condolences, a lot of flowers, just a lot of different things happening for him. And while I necessarily couldn't just sit down and have a conversation with him, I had to break some stuff down. We had to talk here and there. We played the game a lot. We, Me and him was big on the game. Like that was all we did. The, the blunt, right? like I used to have to kick him out sometimes because he was just doing too much. But no, I never really saw it as, as a responsibility. I really just saw it as doing what I was already doing, but just having to pick it up a notch or just not having my mom there or just having to things that I would go to my mom for or call her about or text her about, I had to I had to incorporate my dad now. Because like I said, I was also thinking about trying to strengthen our relationship and become closer because I wanted my little brother just to see a healthy household, whether we were missing somebody or not. So no, I never really looked at it as a thing of like, wow, like this is exhausting or it's a lot. Like did it become hard at times? Yeah, because more so just because I miss my mom and I just wish that she could have been there. Uh, with us, just going through the things with us. I was still in high school. So I was still having to deal with like that social side of things and just life and sports and getting ready for college and everything. And to tell the truth, like one of the biggest things that I tell my little brother and that I kind of apologize to him for was I apologize for leaving. Like, cause in a sense, like, no, he doesn't look at it like that. I don't look at it like that, but I left in a sense. Like I had to go for, I went four years in North Carolina. Like, yes, that was, I only really came back holidays, checked in, but we talked a lot, but my my biggest message to him was always just get out, get out of the house, get out of Philly, just go. And now that's why I think part of the reason why he's doing his schooling in the North Carolina. So I mean, in New Orleans, big shout out to him and, and Zula. But I would say, yeah, it was. It became fun just because we became closer, like all of us, all three of us. It was just three guys in the house just doing God things sometimes or sometimes just not talking or sometimes just in our own little worlds or sometimes all coming together to do different things or reflecting on things or stuff like that. So me and my little brother, now nah, we really, if we were like this, but well, we became like this afterward. It was just like that was really like we were just that locked in and it was always just a thing of he, in a sense, he always looked up to me. And I tell people that, damn, for as much as he looked up to me, I look up to him. Mm-hmm. Like I tell people my little brother is my role model. They don't understand that, but you don't understand like where I'm coming from. There were times where I was so hard on myself or I couldn't, I couldn't make sense out of anything or it just like, why would you do that? Or that was just stupid. And this, this dude made me feel like the greatest person in the world. Like I could do no wrong or nothing like that. So to, to get that over and over again, and that comes from somebody whose opinion you really value and you really trust and you really care about and love, man. Oh, I was in heaven to the point now where like, I feel like he's kind of, he, I'm going to call him grown. He ain't grown, but he's 19. But I would say to now, I still have some of those same mannerisms or just want to be that protective figure, or just be that brotherly figure. Or Sometimes I got to realize that's really not my son. Like, that man is like 6'3", mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. 200. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just thinking about everything that was kind of instilled to in me, just the relationship that we had. So to really see him grow older and grow into him, it's a beautiful thing. But I never take that protective thing off even my sometimes they call me the older sibling just because my sister older than me but I'm protective over both mm-hmm. like I, I treat them you know mm-hmm. nothing can't go wrong with my folks and I think distance kind of plays a part in that too like we've always kind of been far my sister still lives in North Carolina my little brother he's back in Philly for the summer but he's in New Orleans and then not, now I'm in Florida so we've always kind of bounced around and moved around so I think even that distance it makes you appreciate those interactions those conversations that much more yeah
0: and uh, again just on the note of having a, a brother a younger brother as well i feel that same way about my little brother too it's like i love it and, and it's only me and him but i anybody who knows me knows that like i adore him so much and we have a uh, we're closer in age than you and your brother my brother's like three and a half years younger than me but i was just telling somebody earlier today like my brother is younger than me but a lot of times and i've said this and i stand by it he'd be feeling like he's smarter than me like i feel like he's smarter than me wiser than me and he'll he's the one he'll tell me about myself or he'll tell me when I'm doing great and I really appreciate our relationship for for that and I know he's a huge part of the reason why you know I'm even still able to be here today I'm curious though a Mm -hmm. little bit about this man's world that you guys are living in uh, I would love to know what that looks like because, you know, for me, yeah. uh, I've I've thought a couple times like, oh, like what would have happened to my brother and my dad if like me and my mom would have passed at the same time or, you know, whatever. And what the house would have looked like. And in my head, it's like it looks a mess and nobody's cooking and nobody's cleaning. And I mean, I live in New York. My parents, my parents crib where my brother lives currently is in Philly or well, Abington, Philly, whatever. And so I, it is kind of like a man's house. But I'm curious to know you know I want the inside scoop what does a man's world look like in the loss of the matriarch
1: so I would say my mom was somebody who who didn't play when it came to mess when it came to food cooking everything like that at one point my mom really had me wanting to study culinary and I would say losing her is where I lost my interest just because I used to cook Sundays with her and everything like that so that kind of disappearing and stopping stopped my interest and in all of that but no like with us it definitely wasn't nearly as much cooking my mom would cook two meals for the week like Sunday, like let's let's knock this out. So we good cook even throughout the week if we ran out too fast. So for us, like we was we was we wasn't we was food shopping differently. Mm-hmm. We definitely are big on that food shopping though. Like my dad even was always big on that, but the cooking was different. My dad can't cook though. It's just a matter of, he was also dealing with, Um, he's been always recovering from like double knee replacement surgery and being on disability and everything of the sort. So it's kind of just been a tough situation in that regard. But a lot of it was, it's, it's a thin for yourself mentality. Like it's a make sure that like you're okay. Like we checking in with each other. We're good, but it's really just a thing for yourself. Like an average day could have been my dad downstairs watching TV. Mm-hmm. Me upstairs in the room playing the game with my little brother, That's my little brother on his tablet, so you know, whatever. We all kind of just matter, but we all get it. Like, we all understand we'll pop past the room, yo, good, whatever, check in, come down, get a snack, talk and pass and whatever. So, it was It was a lot of that. Like, it wasn't really a lot of the sitting down as a family to eat, just doing a lot of things that we would do together. Oh, no, the house was still getting clean, though. That wasn't happening. We, was, we, as people, were so conditioned to a clean house that the minute something looked out of place, like, or the minute something wasn't right, or the minute something just would did, now we got to get that, or let's make this happen. We had we had pets too, so we really had to be making sure that he's paying attention. We had two dogs and a cat, so it was just like think about that too. Think about the only thing that I would say probably got a little just more hectic was the room, like because my dad after my mom passed, my dad no longer slept in the room. Mm. Oh, he went to the couch downstairs. He would just sleep, kind of set up. We had we had a pullout too, so it turned into a bed, and we had air mattresses. So he kind of pick and choose what he did. So a lot of times he wouldn't come upstairs unless it was like bathroom, shower, or whatever. So we could we could kind of get away whatever we wanted to get away with a couple curse words, sometimes <laughs> drop whatever, whatever. Like it just go like that. But nah, man's world. It's just. It's just less like it's more in your own world and just knowing that everybody is good as opposed to just kind of like really asking and really checking in. and Because really, mom was the type of shit, knock on the door, shit, come and shit, pop in, do whatever, like talk, call you downstairs, whatever, whatever. So with us, we were all just really in our own world. That's really what a man's world looked like. You kind of just go out, do whatever. I was, I was kind of getting older, so it was just kind of in and out. I was in and out the house a lot, yeah. just moving around going. Working too, just the same. So, yeah, that was really kind of like the the inside of us. Like it was just those moments where we would come together, where we reflect, and we have those conversations. But a lot of time, we'd all just do our own things. Right. We all kind of fell into our routine, yeah. and once we found that. That that's kind of just what it was, but yeah, not definitely not as much as of the cooking, not as much as like the clean, the cleaning like we should have been. But we we kept the house the way it should have been. But we just really tried to fill in even that much more for even even be there for each other. Like we not arguing about me more so me and my little brother who doing the dishes, who cleaning the bathroom, who he doing this, cool. who doing that. Like I do, just make it happen yeah. or or whatever, whatever. So, yeah, so that was so that was really that was really the man's world. We were we were you know we were enjoying ourselves and having a good time, but it definitely was. A lot of like separate interaction, but just also understanding that as long as we're all under this roof, we're okay.
0: So see, like now in this conversation, I feel like I'm understanding men a little bit better because my dad and my brother are the exact same Wait, like my brother will be upstairs playing a game. My dad'll be yeah. in the basement watching football or something. And for me, when I come home, I'm like, nobody is talking, but you're saying that you didn't feel like there was anything wrong with that that didn't feel strange to you
1: For us, yeah, it was no real tension or it was like a, it was almost like a what's understood doesn't need to be explained type thing. like yeah, we all we all are feeling the heavy weight, the heavy heart if we we all know that if if one another needs each other, we're here. We have a hell of a support system around us, just the same. But as men, naturally, and as us, as who we were, we just weren't naturally inclined to just talk. I told you kind of how I was. And my little brother really kind of follows suit in a sense a little bit. He was just really to himself. My little brother is very, like, hands-on, like the coder. Like, he studies computer science. So he loves all of that, like, technology, like, so he could really be in his own room. And you think he just destroying the whole house, he in their building or something, taking something apart, building on the, you know, so we all under, and you'll probably hear me occasionally on the game, yelling at my friends, yelling at my boys, whatever, and as long as you heard the TV blasting downstairs, you knew my dad was good. So, unless he called us for something. So yeah, it's like a, it's like a thing of where the woman, you can definitely tell the woman is that glue, is that centerpiece to the puzzle. Otherwise the pieces are kind of just scattered. Not to say it's in disarray, but it's just one, I got the corner piece built over here. I got the corner piece built over here. I got the corner built down here. Now, just bring it all together. So, yeah, it could really just be a thing of you walk in the house. You probably don't hear nothing other than the natural sound from the TVs, from the games, from the yelling. But we're all OK. We're all in tune.
0: Oh, that is so great to know because I'd be worried. i will go home. I'm like, because me and my mom, my brother and my dad are naturally more quiet anyway. My dad is the quietest in the house. My brother is like a little bit more turned up. I'm like on a million all the time. And my mom was like a little bit more subdued than me. So that was kind of the ranking of things. But me and my mom were the talkers of the house. And so when I go home and it's like crickets, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Are y'all guys like, I'm like, I've been to the point where I'm like, y'all all need to go to therapy because nobody's talking and y'all are just sitting in silence. And like, what is this? But it is good to know that you know because my brother will say like oh yeah I asked that if he was good he said he was good I didn't ask more than Mm. that or my dad would be like yeah Trey said he was good so he's good I'm just like but did y'all ask like if he was okay and serious you know so I think that is kind of like the way that women kind of you know handle things so I I love this thank you so much for like educating me on that because I'd be concerned But Tamar, I mean, we are at the end of the show. Before we go, though, I want to ask if you have anything that you would like to include that we didn't necessarily get to.
1: Well, two things. First, um, I just want to, for anyone out there, whether it's you have both of your parents in your life, step parents, lost a parent, becoming a parent, anything of the sort, just recognize that how you feel, how you think. What you're going through is always valid. Don't ever let anybody who's not in your situation or not dealing with what you were dealing with or dealt with you or dealt with, but handled it a different way. Tell you anything about your emotions, about your perspective, about anything. You you handle what you handle, how you handle it. at at all costs, at all times. Everybody grieves. Everybody copes. Everybody mopes. Everybody grows through and gets through things at a very different level. Here we are, a conversation with somebody who's almost 12 years in versus somebody who's a year in. And the fact that we can resonate on so many different things just goes to show you that it doesn't really change much as you as you go and as you grow, but you are always in control of your own fate, of your own destiny at the end of the day. And just to anyone out there, I'll always just extend myself as a resource. I'll, I'm pretty sure all my information will be included or be had. I'll give you whatever if you ever just need to talk just a, or even just me to listen or just advice or just anything you want to tap into the podcast, anything of the sort. Just let me know. And I'm always willing to offer myself as a, as a resource to anybody at any stage in their journey. But secondly to you, I'm very grateful, I'm very thankful, I'm very humble, Um, I'm very appreciative, one for this opportunity, one big shout out to Asia for connecting us and and sending my condolences definitely to you and the family, her and the family, to everyone who has been on this episode who will continue to be on the episodes, who will continue to really make this the platform, really just from the name itself to just really everything that you do to just the episodes, to just the content. I know that's a lot, especially with dealing with things. You're fresh, you're really fresh into it because I still feel fresh and I'm 12, almost 12 years. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, I, I really had to take my head off, my imaginary hat in this case, to what you're doing, just because this is, this is amazing. Like I said, you're in a sense, you're giving a voice to some people who just feel voiceless, hopeless, nowhere to turn, no support, who lost the matriarch in their life, who lost for some, the their rock, the, all they had, the woman who raised them, the woman who gave them everything that they knew, carried them for nine months. So I, I really just have to thank you. And I really also offer myself to you, whatever you may need, however we can help, not only the platform, but personally, um, just, just let me know. I'm here, I'm locked in. Um, and I'm, I'm just, like I said, I'm, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that even for this, like this was kind of refreshing because it allows me to just talk, whereas otherwise I don't really have conversations like this about my mom or I don't really get on platforms and really just express kind of what was going on or what was happening. So, but as somebody who just wants to get better with that, wants to be more intentional with everything that I'm doing, thinking about therapy, everything of the sort, this really helps. So a big thank you to you, but I also want to give you the flowers because what you're doing, you know, is not, as I was telling you before, it's not easy. It's, it's not going to get any... It's not going to get any easier. Or it's not going to get any harder. It's it's, it's really just going to be which what you make of it. There will be good days. There will be bad days. There will be everything in between. But as long as you stay steadfast, as long as you recognize those angels around you, and as long as you really continue to love what you do. And the sky's the limit. So I'm very excited for the future of this and what you have coming and everything. But no, for me to you, I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful. And whatever y'all need, whoever's listening, just let me know I'm here.
0: You are trying to get me to cry in on this episode. Thank you so much for those uh, lovely words, Tamar. And we absolutely will drop your information for those who want to um, catch up with you, link up with you. I've- found that people are building their own community within the podcast space that I've talked to and people who just relate. And so I can't wait to add you to the family. I'm super excited that you were here with me and that you shared your story. And I'm grateful that I was able to provide you a space that you feel like, you know, hasn't Existed uh, for you in a while, and know that I am also a resource for you as well. You got me up here. We are talking. I'm like, damn. I want to call my mom. Like I am. Like I want to call and tell her about this show and like how great this is. But I believe, like you, that we are surrounded by angels and that my mom is listening. So thank you so much for being amazing and your energy. You came out of there uh, the door kicking it, and you closed it the same way so i'm super grateful for you and i also want to thank y'all so much for listening to another episode of damn mom really we'll see you guys in 10 days if you enjoyed this episode please feel free to leave us a review and a comment it's super super helpful to us and as promised there's a relaxing cool down slash guided meditation by liliana rasmussen coming up in five four
2: three two welcome to this guided meditation session to create a safe place for you Chronic pain can be very hard to handle, but many times when we create a mental image of our suffering, we tend to aggravate this pain, thus increasing it. Then every time we feel this sensation, we will have a negative thought attached to it on a conscious and subconscious level. So what this meditation will teach you are techniques to change the mental image that has been created from this pain, and instead implement a peaceful association with pleasant visualizations that create a warmer bonding between you and your body's sensations. This allows you to accept and allow instead of fight and push away. Make sure you're in a very comfortable position. Sit down or lay down if that feels good for you, however you need to position yourself so that none of your muscles are activated or tense. Every part of your body can rest and feel completely relaxed during this meditation. Begin by taking five deep breaths to relax even more. One, full breath in and let it go. Two, fully inhale, and exhale. Three, breathe in as much as you can, and let it go, feeling a wave of relaxation come over you. Four, inhale deeply, and exhale, feeling invigorated. Five, last one, fully inhale, and exhale, feeling any tension loosen up and your body feeling extremely relaxed. Good. And just allow your breath to slow and flow naturally now. Don't try to change anything about it. Just notice the calmness that these five breaths gifted you. Notice how your body breathes without you doing anything at all. Begin to feel any sensations that you associate with your pain. Bring them into your awareness and allow these feelings to multiply. You're completely safe and secure. It's okay to allow these sensations to arise. They will not harm you. Put all of your focus on these areas, really feel their exact position, and the quality of the sensations. What's the pain like for you? Is it stinging, tingling, or burning? Perhaps it's like something else. In your mind, describe every detail, and then sit with it. Be entirely with it while it presents itself. Don't do anything about it, except feel it. Allow the sensations to grow, and don't stop them, just see what they do. Notice the details of changes the sensations make. Good. You're doing so well. Now switch your focus and bring into your mind's eye a visual of a place you love to go or have been to that is very serene and peaceful for you. It could be an imaginary place, like on top of a gorgeous mountain, or somewhere you frequently go, like a nearby nature path. Your favorite place could be as simple as your warm, cozy bed next to a loved one. Wherever this place is for you, see it vividly right now. Start by visualizing all the physical aspects of this place. Where are you? What do you see when you look up? If you're outside, it could be the sky. If you're in a safe room somewhere, it could be the ceiling. Notice everything you see when you look up. Now look down and at your feet. What does the ground look like below you? Gaze all around this favorite place of yours, making the colors bright and vivid. Make out even more details now, like the leaves on the trees and plants, or the things that are placed around the room. Do you notice any patterns anywhere? They could be patterns in nature, like the way things grow, or the patterns of fabrics and objects in a room. Notice every pattern you can find in great detail. The more details you can imagine, the better. How dark or light out is it? What time of the day do you think it is? And make a judgment about the placement of the sun in the sky. Which way is the light of the sun coming into your imagination? Look at all of the beautiful things that make this place so enjoyable for you. Use your visual creativity of this place for the next several moments. Nice. Now you are going to bring about the sensations this beautiful spot offers. Start by tapping your feet on the ground. Is the surface hard or soft? Feel the ground below you here with your feet, noticing anything you can about it. Become aware of the temperature in this place. Is it cool or warm or hot? Is there a breeze blowing or is the air calm and still? Can you feel the sun on your skin? Sit with these sensations for a few moments and enjoy them. Are there any smells here? If you're imagining the beach, maybe you can smell the salty air, or if you're in a forest, the smell of nature. Just notice how your sense of smell can create sensations of aromas for you when you put your mind to it. What about sounds? Bring fully into this experience any sounds that surround you here. Perhaps you hear a loved one nearby. Perhaps you're alone and you can hear the sounds that nature creates for you. Vividly hear any sounds in this experience. Sit with these senses activated for a few moments and begin to interact with your environment. Great. To relax even further, become aware of what you're doing here. Are you sitting down and relaxing, or walking around and exploring? Are you doing exactly what you love and want to do? See yourself being completely relaxed and happy here. There's no need to do anything here but relax and enjoy it. Be assured that this place is always here for you to keep you safe if you need to flee from pain. Take another slow and deep breath in, and as you exhale, you feel at complete peace with yourself and all the sensations in your body. As I speak these words to you, you are changing the mental images associated with your pain. Whenever you feel overwhelmed by the sensations in your body, repeat this exercise to accept the pain and change the thoughts associated with it. When you use this technique, you will stop the pain from becoming aggravated and growing stronger. When you vividly visualize a safe and peaceful place in moments of distress, you are slowing down your pulse and blood pressure, creating a peaceful and strong connection to your body and mind. Allow yourself to slowly become aware of your surroundings. And whenever you're ready, open your eyes, ready to go about your day peacefully.